Welcome to the Hog Call Podcast. This is Chad. And this is Tim. Be sure to subscribe to the Hog Call on your favorite podcast directory, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or wherever you'd like. We're on them all. Listen to the Hog Call live at com. the only live, real-time, uncut, uncensored Razorback podcast created by fans for fans. Friend us on Facebook at Hog Call Podcast or follow us on Twitter at Hog Call Podcast. Chad runs the Facebook page and Tim runs the Twitter page. Support the Hog Call Podcast by helping us spread the word. Give us a five-star rating and leave a comment on iTunes, even if it just says, Go Hog. This will go a long way to allow other Razorback fans to find the podcast more easily. If you would also like to throw a tip our way, you can support us financially at our Patreon page. Even $1 will go a long way updating our equipment and providing server space to store our episodes. We're, create, we're counting on fan support. Do you have something Hog Call Nation needs to hear? Call and leave a voicemail at 812-850-0110 or send an email to hogcallpodcast at gmail.com. It's good to get that mess out of the way. How's it going, Tim? Goodness, uh, well, it's, it's all right. Uh, you're like any Hog fan for the second week in a row, not the best, not the best week, but a couple of days removed for, from, uh, embarrassing loss. It's, it's getting better, man. I'm, I'm still ready for Saturday. Absolutely. Um, totally, totally agree. You know, I think that, uh, that it was just a mess of a game and we'll get into that. You know, and then here in just a minute. But man, I do not. I didn't feel like the sun came out. You know, I just kind of laid around in bed. And I was a little depressed on Sunday. You know, I know that the uh, the AD put some comments out there on uh, Twitter with a Facebook uh, or a, a Twitter uh, picture saying, you know, the sun will come out tomorrow or whatnot. But uh, man, I don't know. I guess my back porch didn't have that nice of a view, but you know I overlooked the ocean, so it's pretty nice usually. <laughs> yeah, but uh, not not as nice as uh, other Sundays. Um, yeah, that was some uh, BS uh, already out of the gate uh, with uh, Eurocheck. Was not happy. It was not the time to do that. Um, he rarely tweets besides retweeting volleyball and soccer scores, which that's all and good. But for your one original. Tweet to be the sun will come out after a 44 to 17 loss to North Texas. That was just horrible timing. Uh, I just I don't know. Yeah, I know. It, it, it was just really uh, frustrating to see that that type of attitude. I felt like after a after a big loss like that. You know, I mean, I understand. You know, sports isn't everything, and, and you know, I understand that for him. You know, I mean. He's he's not uh, he's not an Arkansas. He didn't grow up supporting the Hogs. He doesn't have a generation of, of Hog blood in it like uh, we do. You know, I mean, I've been my family's been supporting the Hogs for as long as they've been around. You know, so it's really uh, it's really concerning to see that. And then you know he goes off to the uh, press conference in uh, Little Rock 
and and uh, the uh, the touchdown club. Sorry, not the press conference. The touchdown club in Little Rock. And then he, he says um, something to the effect. And I don't have it right here in front of me, but he says something to the effect of uh, how however bad the fans are taking the loss, the coaching staff and the AD is taking the loss much worse than we are, and. Um, I just don't buy it. I, I just don't buy it. Uh, I had, like I said, generations of of the University of Arkansas. Um, yeah, that's that's laughable. What he said. Yeah. Club. I I I mean, I even if Morris and the players, you know, I know that I'm sure he said something. Morris said something like that for the post game press conference. Oh, we're hurting. Nothing. Nobody hurts more. But no way the AD who's been a Razorback less than a year hurts just as much as fans. Better goodness! How does the fans? Um, and I mean, you know, we're not, you know, we're not real young. But how does a eighty-year-old hog fan that's just been following them since, you know, for years and years and saw the national championship and the dominance of the sixties and seventies and on any in the SWC and even recent success in the SEC? Just how does how does your check hurt just as much as that guy and uh, us? As lifelong fans, generational fans, alumni, I just don't, I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, you got you got people that worked at the university who's given up part of their life uh, working at the university. You got people like you said, that's generational fans, people who are alumni from the university, and you know they got so much more more buy-in. When you get fired, you're going to go get you another job, making a whole bunch of money somewhere. You know. And you're going to support that team, and you're going to root that team on. It's basically the definition of a of a bandwagon fan when you're a coach or you're a um, AD or, or you work for a team like that because it's your job to go and be 100% bought in, 100% supportive of that team, and it's something you have to do. And, and it's done. You can go get another job. And when you get that other job, you know you're going to support that team, and you're going to you're going to talk about you know how bad you know those losses hurt. <laughs> how bad it hurts so to be at West Virginia or Marshall or you know, yeah, uh, Washington State, wherever wherever he's going to end up. And absolutely, I would, I would respect him more. What he should have done is sent out even like a nighttime pick, like a picture of an empty beer can or anything like that. It's like <laughs> oh, that would hurt. Now that would that would I would be like, all right, this, you know, he, he gets the. What's wrong with saying that loss was unacceptable and we, yeah. we, we don't we don't want a coach that's going to be losing that way? I'm not saying fire the coach or anything like that. No, What's wrong with having some accountability for a loss that shouldn't have happened? Honestly, when you look at the stats, man. I mean, admitting admit that it was a bad loss. I mean, they know it. I mean, just admit it. Don't come right and just. I don't know. I know it's just a simple little tweet, but I mean it. To me, it meant a lot. It kind of just I mean, had fuel and fire, and he's all right. It's not like some other guy doing that, you know? Not some other school or fan saying something. I've heard enough of that crap this week, but it's not on the AD that I don't feel. I Absolutely. Feel, you know, understand. And like, hey, if it was a, if it was an AD that was somebody that, that's been there forever, Ken Hatfield or something like that, you know, that, that's always been a, you know what I'm saying? That would mm-hmm. be different. You know what I'm saying? Somebody that had more ties, you know, he – but I don't know. I'm just – I was a little disappointed in that, and I think it's 
you know, important to bring it up. The next thing I think we need to bring up is that it's not necessarily game uh, talk yet, and we're going to get to that. Uh, I know that's why you tune in this podcast. I know you want to hear us talk about the game, break the game down, and you want to hear some just some football, and then we're definitely going to get to that. But there, there's some storylines that came out of this that we got to talk about because they're just such big storylines. And the other thing was the booing in the second half. And everybody's like, oh, they were booing the quarterback. They were, they were booing Cole Kelly. And then the players getting upset saying, oh, you know, they were booing Cole Kelly. And uh, then you got all these folks saying, like, the AD, even, he said this. He says, uh, you know, if you want to boo, this is America. You bought tickets to the game, and you can do that. But it's not how I would do it. So you're telling me as an AD you've never booed at a sporting event or, or you've never – vocalize your opinion at a concert or a political rally or whatever it might be. You're going to tell me you're going to use your vocalization to show your level of, of commitment or decommitment or displeasure at something. And I just, I just don't buy that. I think that's a, that, I think that was a silly statement. And then I don't think for one that they were booing Paul Kelly. I think they were booing the coach because the coach had made a lot more bad mistakes, you know, and I don't want to put everything on the coach every week. I really don't. But when the coach lays it out there and makes it, makes it like that, you know, I have to, you know, I got to look at the facts and, and then the facts are there was some really bad coaching in this game. And, um, you know, I know the players didn't excel and they didn't do what they were supposed to do, but the coaching, it was, to such an extent, I don't. I can't say that I know if we could or could not have won this game. I feel like the coach gave up on the game, and I think that's why people were booing the coach whenever the players came out in that second half and they saw that he had made the coaching decision to keep Cole Kelly in. I don't think it was about Cole Kelly. I think it was about the coach's decision. What do you think? Oh, most definitely agree with you. Uh, the first time I heard that, I was like, there's absolutely no way that those the fans um, – and one thing, the fans stayed. I mean, my goodness. I mean, you really think they're giving up on the players after when they when uh, a lot of the stadium leaves and the player, or the fans that are there criticizing them? Goodness. If you're going to say anything at all, you can say something about the, the fans giving up at halftime, but, hey, maybe they knew the coach was just going to – uh, act like we were down 42 instead of 24, and 24 with two quarters to play at home against North Texas. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's not insurmountable. So I, I just, there's, I, I just don't, I know Razorback fans, like you've been to plenty of sporting events, uh, plenty of football games. I've never heard them, um, who play. I've heard them coaching decisions, uh, down to my goodness, uh, Houston Nutt. Let him, let him talk about how much, uh, his decisions were booed. Uh, I never heard, uh, Never saw anything about a player come out and uh, misinterpret that for, uh, you know, one of their guys. Um, so I don't know why Jerry Cornelius did that. Um, it's, it's I, feel like, I feel like he had some soft skin there. You know, I feel like yeah. there's a little bit of like hurt feelings, and you know, and I can't believe they're they're attacking us as a team and so on and so forth. And I mean, what you know, he, he hasn't done that great this year. Um, he's a senior. He's out there leading the team. You know, he he should be saying, you know, in my opinion, he should be saying, you know, we didn't play a good game. The fans showed their displeasure towards that. 
and we're going to do better to try to make sure that we turn this thing around next week. You know, mm-hmm. instead of exactly instead of trying to say like, oh, you know, we're somebody's, you know, son or daughter <laughs> or all that mess. You know, what I mean, like, what what kind of argument is that? You know, one other the one other podcast I listened to this week was saying how how stupid of an argument that is, and I totally agree with them because. You can't say just because you're somebody's son that you shouldn't be criticized. Now you can't criticize anybody in all the world because everybody's somebody's son, you know. So that's just not good. That's just a poor argument, you know. That's just something that, uh, yeah, I can't get on board with. And, and my thing is do do better. And don't yeah, do exactly. Better, you know, do something, make something happen. And if you're that sensitive about it, obviously, you know, there's some issues that you can probably improve on. Uh, because you know, you're, I feel like there's a little bit of mirroring there. Like I feel like there's a little bit of a of a, of a person that's taking a look at himself and he's saying like, and he's deflecting. He's deflecting the issue, you know, away from him, away from his teammate, instead of embracing it and saying, how can we make this better? So that's you know, that's worrisome. That's, that's, that's another thing that's worrisome. I mean, a, a fifth year senior, he takes responsibility and say, hey, we got to. We deserve it. I mean, we stunk. We stunk that first half. I mean, just and it's just a you know, like you said, deflected towards the fans who are there sitting, at, you know, hot done man, pay their hard earned hard earned money to sit there and watch that performance. I mean, they just wanted to they didn't want the the towel to be thrown in by Morris down twenty four points, and you put in the quarterback who already had um, at that point three interceptions. It just without a it just. In other games, they switched off and gave the other quarterback a shot. And um, that one, it just seemed like, well, you know, I'm just going to uh, – I'm stubborn. I'm going to go with what I said about keeping one quarterback in, no matter how, uh, you know. And, why, you know why, why, that, why would you keep one know. quarterback in? It makes no sense. Like, you haven't, you haven't done that um, all all year. You've been saying you're going to look at both of them and so on and so forth, all this. And I know during this game he said he's going to keep one in, and that, that's how he's going to do it. Why have a hard-headed attitude like that? Why not realize this isn't working with this quarterback? Let's see what our other quarterback can do, who I believe is good enough to be a starter, because he named him a starter this year or this game. You know, <laughs> he named him a starter for this game, but he's not good enough to try to win the last game with yeah, that's, 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 poor, that's poor coaching. I mean, how – got to try. Him. you got to try something. You can't just give up. I mean, you believe in them to go on the road against number nine in the nation, Auburn, but you don't believe them to come in the second half and lead a, lead a spark. I know North Texas is better than Eastern Illinois, but they not learned that, hey, as soon as Tyler came in the first game, he, he created a spark. Had a big second quarter. Put, I mean – because that game is kind of lagging. We were up 10 nothing. You know, it's like, man, that's 10 nothing, but it should be more than that. He came in, and it looked like, okay, this is the performance we're supposed to have. I just don't – I don't understand. Yeah, I don't either. And it's like we said before, you know, he came in that first game. He created a spark. He had a bad game when he went to uh, uh, Colorado there, and we, and we played uh, Colorado State. And – Who's to say that wasn't an altitude situation that he had a bad game? Who's, you know, I, I talked about that. Like, we don't know why he had a bad game like that. That's something mm-hmm. that, you know, I got in depth with on, on one of our podcasts. And I feel like, you know, you got to give the kid a shot and let him try to win the game. You know, you got to give him a shot and let him try to win. And if you don't do that, then you're just, you're not using all the weapons you 
have. And this year, we need to use all the weapons we have until we find out who who, who is going to be the most consistent weapon. And then if you want to stick with them, fine. You know, that's fine. Or, I don't know, I, I was going to say, or put in a freshman, but I really don't like that strategy. Honestly, I'll just be honest. I've heard a lot of people talking about we need to get the freshmen in there, we need to play them, and this, that, and other. I, I, I say, you know, we just let red start and let them grow, you know, and we see what we can do with these two quarterbacks. And maybe that means one's hot and one's not, and, and you got to figure out which one it is, you know. Yeah, but make a change like you have already. I mean, I just don't – and it's not like Cole Kelly was, let's say, 10 for, 10 for 15, you know, 80 yards, short passes, no interceptions, or just one. I mean, he had a, I mean, he had a few interceptions. I mean, it just – the timing was off. I mean, it was – I mean, it was not right. Just you know, it just did not look like it was gonna get right. And that's yeah, not, well, that's well, not the next day thinking. That's during the game because me and you were talking during the game uh, several times, even in the second quarter. Like, okay, this story's about to come in. All right, next time. Mm-hmm. Sure, 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 sure. Story's about to come in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it never did, never did, never did, and it was just like. All right, well, second half, you know, okay. And I went back and rewatched the game, you know, and I do that for you guys, for all you listeners out there. I, I didn't want to have to do that, but I did. I went back and rewatched it, and, you know, I tried to look at it from another perspective besides just the fans' perspective. And when I rewatched that game, when I tried to analyze that game, I, I said I could even see where a coach would keep him in through the second half. I could see the uh, – ideology of keeping him in through the second half and maybe even that first drive in the in the third quarter. But after that you gotta make a change. I mean after that you got it. You get, you have to make a change. Yeah, I didn't I didn't understand. Um and this loss uh kinda just compounded with the, the Colorado State. We went over that enough in the last podcast, but just compounded from that fourth and one. I'm not well, going to bring it up anymore, but it just well, compounded. And that reminds me of something, though, and I want to make sure we, we call this out because a lot of the media has been saying this is the most embarrassing loss that Arkansas has ever had as a program. Okay? So how is this the most embarrassing loss Arkansas has ever had as a program? We're playing a North Texas team that is the best, you know, team they've had in a very long time. They're probably going to go, you know, um, undefeated this year. Uh, they're probably going to win Conference USA. Man, I even have a hard time saying that, and then they, and then they beat us, but whatever. Um, but, I mean, I consider the Colorado State loss worse. You know, obviously the Citadel, who is a Division Two school, is a worse loss. Um, is this the worst loss in your mind? With our starting backs ever had. Is this our most embarrassing worst loss? What do you think? No. Um, and I think that's the same as the worst, absolute worst. Um, like you said, the people, this is prisoner moment trying to get their action just saying, hey, this is all. I mean, this is the bottom of the bottom. I and mean, it's bad. I mean, what, top five, top ten at mm-hmm. least worst losses. But like you said, the Citadel, I mean, they're uh, the Division AA, SDN now. I mean, they're Division Lower. I mean, North Texas <laughs> is. Is, um, is on, you look at their schedule, and besides Florida Atlantic, they should go 11-1, 12-0. Uh, even, though, here. 
even the Louisiana Monroe loss is worse than this one. I mean, what were we yeah. ranked there in that going into that? Number eight. We're going to be national champions. Number eight, we, right? We were number eight. So that that's got, that has to be worse because you still had a shot. If we wouldn't have – I mean, sure, Alabama's coming to town the next week, but, but you know they had it that season. I mean, that outcome, it wouldn't have been 52 to nothing if we would have uh, not lost to Louisiana Monroe. And we were number eight, so that's got to be worse. Yeah, absolutely. So since – to kind of calm the nerves of the listeners, it's not the worst loss we've ever had. It really isn't. But it's a bad loss, and it's a loss yeah. we shouldn't have had. And it is embarrassing because well, let's look at the stats. This is why I think it's embarrassing. When we look at the stats for this game, um, Arkansas had 21st down, and um, North Texas had 18. All right, we had 126 rushing yards, and they had 95. We had 210 passing yards, and they had 281 passing yards. Um, I mean, we shouldn't have lost this game. I mean, they had 376 total yards in offense. We had 336 total yards in offense. So, you know, time of possession, um, they had uh, they got us five minutes. They had 30 minutes. And four seconds time possession, we had 29 minutes, 56 seconds. I mean, we're almost split equally down the middle. And if we're almost split equally down the middle stat-wise against a team like that, then we should win that. But it was the field position that killed us. And it was the interceptions that killed us. And, you know, Marty Biagi, who we talked about in the podcast before, I told you guys, he's a good coach, came out with a, with a trick. Uh, trick play and ran that, you know, ball all the way back down. Goodness gracious. And I, I'm going to say something about that. I mean, might as well, might as well talk about that. <laughs> yeah, let's get into that. Yeah. Yeah, before we just delve into this game. But the Marty Biagi trick play, I felt, was a little bit nasty because you're taking advantage of a bull that is there to protect the players. And when you start taking advantage of those rules, now you're blurring the player's sense of, should I go ahead and make that big hit and take this guy out, or should I, you know, not? And my initial thought was, oh, that's, that, that, that's not a, that wasn't legal because he didn't take off running when he got the ball. He stood there, and so being that he stood there, I thought to myself, well, he, he shouldn't uh, – they should blow the whistle because he's not advancing the ball, just like you would if, you know, you got into a pile-up and you stopped mm-hmm. advancing the ball in a pile-up, but your knee or elbow never touched. But they'll whistle you down because you stopped advancing the ball. So that was my first thing was he caught the ball and just stood there, so they should blow it dead. And then we go back and watch it, and if you notice, he caught the ball and started to take steps. Um, slowly, they start to take steps moving that ball forward. I mean, it was a well-executed play, and it did what it was designed to do. But the way it takes advantage of a rule that's supposed to protect players, that's where I think it's kind of chicken crap uh, <laughs> ordeal. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how I'd describe it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, looking back, well, they're, I mean, Oh man, and they and they needed it too. They were only up seven nothing, and uh, we did have a you know move got a couple first downs that drive before. They just took advantage of that. Ten years ago, he would have got <laughs> he would have got wiped out. I mean, mm-hmm. smart move by them. And if somebody would have pulled that play against Alabama or Auburn or Ohio State, 
Cowboys would have been like, wow, what a creative play. But the fact that it happened, it just added insult to injury. But it's really, um, I hate to see it because, yeah, it's, and, and he didn't, when I first watched it, I thought his right arm was doing something. But it was, it, I don't know, he was just kind of waving it. You know, he never got close to above his head. But, yeah, yeah. Like they're thinking, like, they don't want to get thrown out of the game. They don't want to get, a, uh, I mean, then you're in a helmet running down there and, the guy just stops, and I'm surprised it hadn't done before. Oh, it might oh, yeah. a long time ago, you know. Yeah, and I'm uh, sure it'll be done again. It's probably 50 years from now, but it'll oh, be sure. done again. Oh, you know? That's what I'm saying. I bet it happened in the 60s or 70s. And, you know, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you know he got that for somewhere, I'm sure. He, I mean, he's a great coach, but most great coaches spill their ideas. So I'm <laughs> sure, I'm sure he got that from somewhere. You know, and I agree with you. If Arkansas would have done that against Alabama, Mm-hmm. Would we be upset? No. <laughs> no. We'd be, right. We'd be like, oh, that was the greatest play. Wow, what a great creative man. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> we got the best We got the best uh, special teams coordinator in the nation. You know, so <laughs> I, I think I don't think I'm taking crap moves. And we need to get him as our special team coach because we don't have a coach that's just being for special teams. Yeah, yeah. It's a mistake in itself. Oh, man, he needs to come. He needs to get yeah. him. We need to end special teams coach from that. If that's stuff's going to happen. Yeah. All the time. I think, I think I'd think i like to hire him. I really would. Mm-hmm. He's great. He's a great coach. He's got Arkansas ties. I think that's a great, you know, great ordeal because he's been here before. Went down and coached at UAPB, like I said. So, that'd be a great addition. Definitely would. Now, um, if we're taking a look at everything, okay, so the first touchdown Mason Fine made on that two-yard run, I didn't think he got across the plane because um, when you see the overhead view of it, it doesn't look like ball crosses the goal line. It looks like it doesn't look like his head crosses the goal line. It looks like he gets pushed back before he crosses the goal line. And I know, like you know, we we did a Twitter poll and everybody thought you know that he did cross the goal line. So you know, our, our fan base agreed with that touchdown. What did you think about that? I did No, absolutely. I didn't think. I didn't think he made it. I mean, he was going to be on the you know half-yard line, inch line, but he still didn't make it. Doesn't mean he made it. Anything can happen in this play. Just to say, well, we can't see it. It's like you can see it. And the the, the angles the, uh, the refs mm-hmm. have on the replay, it just – Yeah, the overhead I view is what I saw that. Yeah. Like the overhead view, his head never crossed the, the, the plane, and he's hunched over. So if you're hunched over and your head doesn't cross, how's the ball cross that you have at your belt? He wasn't over? reaching the ball. Yeah, he was at his belly. It wasn't – he wasn't reaching over with it. I mean, there was mm-hmm. a power up there. I mean, he ran right into it. But I yeah. got in, and uh, and that was their first. That was the first touchdown. I mean, that, yeah. that one combined with the second touchdown being the punt return, and then two interceptions. Um, the well, the first interception before that first touchdown, and the second interception after that punt return. Mm-hmm. Was just, I mean, it was just like back to back, back to back. Just like okay, I mean, that's yeah, I mean, that first momentum, but my goodness. That first quarter, they went down to kick a field goal, you know, after they, they got that one touchdown, which I didn't think was a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Then they got the uh, – so, you know, I didn't credit our defense for keeping them out of that, honestly. And then uh, they had that weird uh, punt return. And then you have um, the field goal in the first quarter. I mean, we're playing pretty decent ball. Our defense isn't doing bad. If you go back and watch it, our defense didn't give up those points. No. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it's hard for me to say, oh, the defense is a problem there. Um, they were throwing a lot of, our, uh, a lot of shoulder tackles, 
And I don't like that. I like to wrap up a good form tackle, you know. You try to kill a guy with a shoulder tackle and, and take them out of the game or whatever, but the one thing you don't see is hauling these guys out of the game, you know. It's a good-looking mm-hmm. hit. Maybe you're on sports center, but there's too much of a risk that you're just going to ricochet off of them, especially when you go into SEC play. we got to start wrapping them up and just taking them to the ground, you know. I would rather see that than some awesome shoulder tackle. Totally my no, no, so got to with the with the big running backs that Auburn mm-hmm. has, Alabama has, uh, LSU always has. Some of these quarterbacks got to wrap up. Um, I noticed that too. I think they kind of got away from. I remember thinking in the first game, and even I don't, I don't. Colorado State didn't get bad tackle maybe the fourth quarter, but I was like, hey, they're, they're, you know, uh, pretty good. That's what I've seen from tackle. I know it was one game. Go back to Eastern Illinois, but. Like, yeah, that was that's not what yeah. I don't need to keep that up. And then our offense couldn't get, you know, couldn't get a good drive going that first quarter. And we started off slow. But it wasn't anything where it was like, oh, my God, we can't win this game. And they didn't really have the ball that much um, no. in that first quarter. Well, but then you go – yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was about to say real quick. I mean, their, their touchdowns um, were on drives of less than – I mean, they're like 40 yards was the biggest drive for a touchdown besides mm-hmm. late in the – or earlier, besides in the, I think, the second half maybe. I mean, they're all short, uh, short fields. I mean, Absolutely. So, you know, then you got the second quarter. So, the second quarter you got Cole Kelly runs it in, you know, uh, gives touchdown there, which is nice to see, uh, just giving Kelly the ball and letting powerhouse it, you know. I mean, that's the kind of, that's the kind of guy, yeah, that's the kind of place you need to be calling with him, you know. Uh, you know, you got, uh, Lampert went out and kicked the field goal, 54 yarder, you know, so that was nice to see. A nice long field goal. Give us a few, few more points. And, um, then we just kind of fizzled out and you didn't see, we didn't put up any, we, we couldn't put up any more points, um, after that. Uh, and it was like, the play calling was, was passing. All the passes were deep balls uh, leading up in that second quarter. Um, I don't know if it's you – know, I didn't even see where – you know, I saw there were some auxiliary routes where the running back would run a swing route, you know, to the outside, and maybe you could hit them in the flat, you know, instead of hitting the uh, wide receiver deep downfield. It just seemed like Kelly was going deep downfield every time, and the only auxiliary we had really – was that hot running back route, and I would like to see some more, you know, uh, bench routes and, and crossing routes and mm-hmm. dig routes and comeback routes and things like that in conjunction with those longer routes so that you have – you think what they give you. You're not just trying to get all at one time. And I felt like in that second quarter, he just kept trying to get it all at one time. And that's where I could see where the coach would talk to him and say, hey, look, you're just trying to take too much. You know, you just need to calm down, take what they give us, and, you know, we think you can turn around. And that's why I say I could see keeping him in through that second quarter. Because I see, like, if you're coaching the guy and you're telling him these things, maybe he can turn it around. Yeah, he needs it. She needs to jump on like Trina used to jump on the quarterbacks when they did something like that. You see one time was like trying to, you know, trying to throw that deep ball, trying to get them, you know, one of those, one of those uh, long bomb passes uh, going vertical. I mean, that would have stretched the defense out, but it wasn't working. It wasn't getting, 
He wasn't getting there. He was just letting the ball float up there. Just didn't even need just like he was just chunking it. But well, maybe my receiver, since he should be more talented, is just going to get it. Um, and you think after one or two tries, it's like, all right, you know, maybe I should not I mean, <laughs> not yeah. throw that deep every. I mean, it was it the second quarter. It was the second quarter or the third quarter where he looked like he got injured. Man, I think that might have been the third quarter at that point where he looked like he got injured and he was limping around and. You know, he took the snap, and the offensive line did a hollow block. Said, watch out, he's coming. And he just got creamed by about three guys and just threw it up as hard as he could. And, you know, it was an interception that they ran back for a uh, for a touchdown. So what, what was that? Was that the end of the second quarter? I think so. I think when he got hobbled, it seemed like the – man, I don't even know it's a blur. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So. I don't know. It kind of because, but yeah, he was hobbling and then started to notice it again. Um, so that's another reason I'm surprised he he was uh, remained in there. It was something, man. You know, so you you got a guy that looks like he might be injured. He's just throwing the ball as far as he can, just trying to make anything happen that he can make happen. Obviously, doesn't feel comfortable. His, his route or his drops are off. You know, the receivers aren't running the route for him the way they should be. You don't see him jumping on the receivers when they come back. You know, you see him having these little conversations and stuff and waving their arms around and pointing and slapping themselves <laughs> on your chest saying, my bad and all that. Uh-huh. How about as a quarterback, you tell the guy, you know, you cut that route to the inside and ran a post route instead of running a corner route that you're supposed to be running. And if you don't stop doing that, I'm not throwing you the ball anymore. You know, now, that would the get their you're attention. supposed to run. That you would get their attention. Saying? I ain't even. I ain't gonna look for you. If you're not gonna run the right route, Sam and I ain't throwing you the ball anymore. That would get. That, that would get the receivers' attention. So that's the type of leadership we need. That type of leadership we need now, and that'll make that'll make a wide receiver say, you know what? You know he's right, and I need to run that route. He's, he's frustrated and upset, and I'm gonna try to do better next time. You know. So anyway, can we go into the third? So so I guess we can. Look at the scores here. This makes me sick looking at these scores at the end of the second quarter. You know, you got University of North Texas, uh, Lauren Evans, three yard run, takes them up 24 10. And then you got the, uh, Rico Buffy seven yard pass from Mason Fine, takes them up 31 to 10. And then you get the, uh, field goal, taking them up 34 10. And at that point, it's like, okay, 34 to 10. We couldn't get anything going offensively. You know, we look like we we look like Kelly might have been our guy early in the game, but he just couldn't get it together. So we're definitely probably coming out and we're definitely gonna throw in top story and we're gonna see what he see what he can do, see if he can he can win this game. At this point, we're down three touchdowns and a field goal. Now are you telling me that you don't believe as a head coach that the University of Arkansas football team can score three touchdowns in two quarters and kick a field goal yeah. on North Texas. I mean, that's, oh. again, that's the second week in a row he's just hadn't believed in his players. I mean, there's offense to, to, to make something happen. And also believing in your defense to, to, to adjust uh, to what they're doing and stop them, which they ended up doing because you look at it, too, and that, um, on the on the drive chart, it's, it's uh, it's just we're trading punts with them, and they're uh, we're throwing an interception or they're fumbling, 
Um, it's like, man, if we just would have tried something, I mean, then he put in the freshman with still plenty of time to go. And Todd Story sitting over there with the towel wrapped around his shoulders, just like, what in the world? Why, what, what did I do? I, I, I thought I was going to yeah. play, you know. I, I, I've got it, you know, just wondering what in the world, like everybody else. Look, if Ty Story got drunk and broke team rules or whatever, he got caught on digging, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me, he broke team, some yeah. team rules and we're really not playing. You ain't got to tell me what team rules he broke, but let me know what in the world's going on. Yeah. You know, if he back talks you and upsets you, tell us he broke team rules so he's not going to be playing in this game. If Don't you say. got a personal vendetta against Ty Story, and you're not going to play him in that game for whatever reason because you're trying to prove a point to your team, that's fine. But you need to let the fans know so that we don't boo you in the third quarter. And don't come out and say that we were too far behind. I didn't want to put Ty Story in that situation. No, he needs to be in there. You want to find the quarterback, get him the reps. They've been, he, him and Kelly's been splitting reps all spring long, all fall camp, all this game practices. And all of a sudden, you don't want to split the reps, so get him more reps. I mean, goodness uh, gracious. I mean, he hadn't even he hadn't played a whole lot before this year. Get him more in-game reps. I mean, absolutely. Thank goodness gracious. I mean, I seriously thought he was thrown in the town. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. Whether he knows whether he knows it or not, he threw in the towel and gave up. And, uh, and this is a, you know, as a high school coach, I see this mentality a lot amongst other high school coaches. And it's scary to see that we have this at the University of Arkansas right now because there's a lot of coaches out there that they get down by, you know, several points and they just feel like, you know, that, that they're not going to be able to come back. They're trying to give up. And, you know, they don't say it out loud, but it, you can just tell that it happens. You know, you can just tell by their body language and oh, how yeah. they're acting and how they're talking to you on the headset and so on and so forth that they've just kind of given up on the game and they don't believe the players can come back and win it. You know, and then there's other coaches that'll actually tell you that the players can't come back and win it. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll be up there in the booth saying, hey, you know, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. We always got a chance and because it's football, and that's what it's about. You do always have a chance. Even when you're down by a lot, there's always a possibility that, a miracle could happen, and you could come back and win it and say what you want about Brett. I don't like the guy. I didn't think he was a good coach, but he didn't give up. I can tell you that. I thought he I thought he had horrible play calls and so on and so forth, but I don't think he gave up during games. I just think he couldn't call the plays to win. Does that make sense? No, yeah, definitely. And uh, as a coach, too, that's a terrible attitude because, I don't know, but they've got all these games ahead of them, man. They're not down. But these players only got, some of these seniors only got so many games left. Even Ty Story as a junior, he's only got so many games left. I was like, the coach is like, well, I got plenty more to, you know, whatever. It's just one game. You know, put put the guys in and uh, try to win this thing. They've only got so many games left, man. Have the belief, just fire them up and have the belief that you can come back and win. Put the belief in the players. Absolutely. And let's look at third quarter. They kick a field goal. University of North Texas kicks one field goal. Uh, if we score twice, we're in the game. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what would have happened if we had put Story in. He might not have done anything. He might have been just as bad as Kelly. But the problem is we don't know, and we'll never know. We'll never get that time back. We'll never get that quarterback. We're never getting that game back. And we they don't never, know what would happen. You know, they never how, scored how, another offensive touchdown. 
Uh, they didn't score an offensive touchdown after the first after the first half. The only touchdown they scored was in that pick six from uh, Stephen Jones. How do you make the decision that this is our guy when you didn't have confidence to put him in a game and try to win that game? Yeah. How, how do you make that decision? How do you come to that decision as a coach? That's a good question. I mean. I don't know like, what, what the heck is That's that. weird. Man, that is just weird. And it's not – that's not normal. And a good coach – I don't know, man. I don't think – I just feel like a good coach would have thrown him in there and seen what happened. Hey, you this know? still got a shot. How do you not know that this is a bad – this is not a good loss? And that, how do you not know what it looks like? I mean, why do you not, like – you've been working for – I mean, you've been – you've been doing football every day. Are you sure that is a – SEC ball coach, how do you not like this is one of your games, one of your twelve given games? How do you not try? You know Connor Nolan and Stephen Jones aren't aren't uh, they may be better in the future, but they're not as good as Ty Story. They don't give you the best chance to win like Ty Story did. I just don't I, I still don't get it. I mean, a couple of days later, I, I don't get it. No, it don't make any sense. So that, I think that's one of the things you get from this podcast. We, we take our time. We bring the podcast to you later in the week where we can really digest everything, even watch the game a second time, watch some more games throughout the week, and we can really bring in an informed decision, and it's not how we feel in the heat of the moment. Oh, but, gosh. If we did if we did one, let alone uh, Saturday night or Sunday or even Monday. I mean, okay. Saturday, Sunday, Saturday night after game Sunday would be bad. I mean, um, it's all uh, less to the ones that do do it, but I gotta, I gotta let the the high emotions run out. Now, what do now? We have a big win, and we're at least gonna have a post game ten fifteen minute live podcast. But you know, absolutely. Still, after a big win, we'll still take a couple of days and adjust, watch it again, and uh, absolutely do one Thursday. Yeah, do a do a real. We're gonna have the celebratory podcast, <laughs> and then we're gonna also have the actual podcast. So, mm-hmm. all right. So let's let's take a look here in the fourth quarter. Uh, we've totally given up at this point. Um, we have just started throwing in freshmen. They're throwing picks just as bad as as uh, as our uh, starter was, as Kelly was. And, you know, I, I'm just going to say it. Man. You know, i got to say it, right? Um, the Jones kid is too small to be a quarterback in the SEC. 5'11", they said. He can't even see over the line. You, I mean, he was just, when you saw him standing next to the offensive line, I felt bad for the kid that he had to try to find somebody to throw to with all those people in front of him. So you think about it. If you're 5'11", the people standing in front of you are almost 7 foot tall. Can you throw the ball well? You're going to have to open up throwing lanes. You're going to have to run to the outside, throw the ball, and so on and so forth. But he can run the ball really well. And I really thought that he was something special when he took off running. And I would like to move him from quarterback to running back or slot receiver and let him get that ball and run. I mean, he is fast. I was impressed by how fast he was. Man, yeah. Why not use him as a, a Wes Welker type or a Cole Beasley or uh, coming out there? My goodness. Uh, he could be utilized in different ways. He's quick. And you know, playing quarterback throughout his life, he he he, uh, he can see it through the quarterback's eyes what he needs to do. And man, like you're talking about throwing some shorter crossing routes, 
He'd be perfect mm-hmm. for that. And then you've got trick play opportunities with him, you mm-hmm. know, where you, you, you toss him the ball or whatnot, or, or you let him run a sweep and give him the ball and run the other side of the field and swing it up in the air. And if great, you know, he's got a great arm and he's, he's a great quarterback and honestly, he's going to be able to make some sweet trick plays happen doing that. So you're always going to have a downfield threat wherever, whichever side you got him running to because he used to be a quarterback, which means they're going to have to back off of him. The uh, linebackers in the face that you're going to back off of him, which means he can run the ball better. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I just think that he would be better utilized in a different position. Um, and I think, you know, let's be honest, Jerry Jones has given enough money to that school where he should play. Yeah, you, and he needs to keep playing Paul. You know? he, needs to, he needs to be kept at the Razorback and not transferred to SMU or – uh, you know, somewhere where he's not facing, like this weekend, Auburn's defensive line are all six foot three or taller, things like that. And I don't believe he's still living. I know five's not that much shorter, but <laughs> it's going to be tough. But, yeah, it's like Jerry Jones' grandson, man, he keeps keeping playing. You don't like him, by the way. Good. Yeah. I'm okay with playing him. Yeah, let's play him. Let's get him out there and let's let him let's, let's do something with him that, that he can get reps every game and he's not going to be sitting on the bench until he's a senior and then, you know, you're throwing him in. You know, I just don't, I don't know. I just feel like there's better utilization. You see that, that quickness that he had. And he's only going to get faster, you know. Oh, God. He's only going to get faster. So, you know, that was my my big takeaway from the backup uh, quarterbacks. What, what's your, from the freshman, what's your takeaway from the freshman? Yeah, I like both of the legs. I like Connor Nolan. I think Connor Nolan's got a better shot to uh, do some things as a quarterback future. Not this year. Um, I thought it's some good things. Um, the line kind of in the fourth quarter uh, didn't allow him maybe to his potential, but I mean, it was nice for him to get reps, but I just don't think, even from that short uh, amount of time they got during the game, that uh, they should be starting any of these games. About the middle of the. About the middle of the third quarter, our offensive line just kind of gave up. Yeah. So they just kind of gave up with the coach. And, you know, it was like they realized there's not going to be a change. There's not going to be – we're not going to try to win this thing. And they just kind of quit. And, you know, I told you whenever I saw players quit that I was going to call them out on it. And our offensive line quit in that – about the middle of that third quarter and just let, let all of our quarterbacks get hurt because – and the thing is, is they were doing so much better before that, you know. Mm-hmm. So I feel I, like their pass protection's been pretty. I mean, that's been pretty solid this year, but it, I mean, it just all of a sudden got bad once. For as young as they are, they've been impressing me because that's one of the things I thought. You know, oh, we were going to have huge problems at offensive line, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, we've had some issues there. I'm not saying there haven't been any, but it hasn't been as bad as I thought. It. Be. It's been a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it hasn't been perfect this year. I mean, when he hasn't got his uh, rushing game, still hasn't been two or three. Well, I mean, this game is still better than the first one. Um, but, yeah, still better than, uh, than I thought. Um, so, yeah, so then we got um, fourth quarter. You know, we got an uh, interception. Learn on Kimon Hall intercepts the ball. And, uh, 24 yards, all he has to run it back for for another touchdown. You know, another short field position, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Poor deal. And then Malik Williams runs a 68-yard um, 
back, and, and it runs for a touchdown, and, and uh, uh, the kick back for a touchdown, and that was that was nice to see. I like that he does not give up in that yep. game. Like he came out there to play, he didn't care what what was he wasn't going to quit, <clears throat> you know. And he, he did the best he could to make something happen, no matter what how much time was left on the clock, you know. And I I respect that, and I think that's the that's the type of leadership we need on the team. Yeah, he might we need to give him some more reps. Absolutely, and he's our rushing leader. If we look, you know, Malik Williams, uh, 74 yards. Chase mm-hmm. Hayden, 21 yards. Uh, the Jones kid got 15. Uh, and then Cole Kelly uh, gets 14 yards. So, I mean, our rushing wasn't great, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, I mean, you had your uh, the passing, Cole Kelly, 185 passing yards. Connor Nolan, 25 passing yards. Be that way, but 
our team has mainly four stars and a couple five stars scattered in right now. Mm-hmm. And that don't mean you're always going to be great in college, but it's a good predictor. It really is. It's a decent predictor. There are some outliers that are not very good, but generally the four and five stars are better than a one and two top player. Let's just be I mean, honest. Goodness, Ty Story was the four star with offers from Alabama, Auburn, and Louisville. I know but they believe in him to come in the second. Yeah. So no, no, it's it's okay. But so if you think that the recruiting classes were good, I guess my thing is is that we got good players in the field. Is what I'm trying to say. So it's the type of players we have. What did Brett bring and say he was going to bring here? He said he was going to bring a Big 12 team down here, and he was going to beat all the SEC teams by running the ball down the throat. Did he not make fun of all these other teams who <laughs> threw the ball a lot, mm-hmm. ran fast offense, and, 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 you know, got beat by them and everything else? But we don't have an SEC team. We have a Big 12 team. Let's be honest. That's what we got. And Coach Morris came in here and ran the guys a whole lot and got them running faster pace offense, and he got them losing a lot of weight, right? But we need to run a little bit more of a power run game, I feel like, to be successful. And I think how you do that, even in Coach Morris' style, is you can run a uh, you know 21 personnel where you got two, uh, you got a fullback and a, and a halfback. And you've got your quarterback, and you line up in a shotgun or in pistol formation. Not really a shotgun, because it's not quite as big as a shotgun. But you line up in pistol formation, and then you can run a power game along with that RPO game that he likes so much, and he's trying to talk. So now he's taking his game, and he is adapting that game to his players. As a high school coach, that's what you're taught to do. That's what you have to do to be successful and win. I don't understand why he's refusing to do that. Why Why is he a coach that says, this is how we're going to do it, and until I get my players, we're going to be, you know, we're just not going to be good. And if they don't get it, you know. I'm not saying we're going to go out there and win an SEC championship, but we're going to win more games if we, if we went that route than we would, you know, trying to different. Offense. Most definitely. And I thought one of the one of the good things you can say about getting them coach that spent so much time in high school, and uh, you talked about it in our uh, uh, preseason podcast, but as a high school coach, you should be good at adapting to what you have, because you don't get to recruit in high school, or you know, the public schools don't get to recruit, and so adapt to what you have that comes up through uh, the school system, and you'd think he'd he'd be good at uh, adapting to the players that are already on campus. He got shorted with a, a... with the new the signing the signing period, the early signing period that happens in December now, kind of got mm-hmm. sorted by that and kind of fell behind. So he knows he's kind of behind the eight ball. And he should have, did he not have a plan in place to, I mean, kind of just slowly get into his system, you know? Work with what you got. The players aren't just, the players aren't that bad to lose to North Texas 44 17. I agree. So let's take a look here at uh, the defense real quick. Uh, the John Harris. Had 12 tackles. He's our leading tackler. Um, Carmen Curl, five tackles. And Santos Ramirez had four tackles. So, you know, it leaves, it leaves some, uh, no stacks. You know, we really wasn't getting after the quarterback. 
in this game, like, like I feel like the Chiefs like to do. I just, even though I felt like the defense looked okay, it didn't feel like it was the normal defense that the Chiefs run. No. I feel like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like they just wasn't firing on all cylinders. No, and it'll be good. Uh, I was kind of talking about the weekend with Auburn, but the Greenlaw, who had tackles in the first quarter of our first game and got hurt, he's coming back this week. So that'll be good. Maybe that'll allow us to do a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, we haven't, haven't seen that much. But I still, man, the teams were playing putting up some points, but it shouldn't. Still hadn't seemed like the defense has been. They still seem like they've been better this year. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's it, man. I mean, we broke it down. We went through right. it. Is there anything else you want to add about the game that we missed? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I think we kind of can just wash our hands of that game. I'm sure yeah, we'll I think go so. back we to gotta, it. But uh, we got to let it go. You know, we got to let it go. We got to move on to the next game. Uh, before we do that, we got to pick players of the game. Okay. Um, you want me to go? I, I know exactly who <laughs> I'm picking. Okay, go ahead. I've got a little bumper pull. I, I like the energy that he brings out there that football team. I like. Okay. I feel like he's a leader. I feel like he's the type of personality we need on the team right now. I like how he goes out there and he makes stuff happen. And I think that, you know, Greenlaw coming back here thing, he's still got to find a place for him. Oh, he got to. Um, I, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Mike Woods, who uh, led the team in receptions. Uh, his first game coming off, uh, suspended the first two games. Supposed to be a solid receiver coming up here. Um, followed Morris from SMU. He had four catches for 61 yards, and um, with Cornelius not and Hammonds and some other guys and the tight ends not uh, not being thrown to or not able to get the ball to him. He needed another receiver to step up, and um, he, he did it before he looked like he got hobbled and came out a little early. But still, that'd be my. It was hard to find one in this game, but I'll go with Woods. Yeah, no, I mean it's you know it, it's hard to find one, but I feel like out of every every disaster, there's there's some sort of grace somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a fan. I feel like you have to look for that. I feel like you have to try to say, where are the positives in this? And, and you know, it's just, you know, I don't know. I just well, wrong way it's another that. thing about not doing the podcast right after the game. Kind of let the, the emotions subside. Um, you know, if we were doing the podcast Saturday night, Sunday, I'd be like, fire everybody, start fresh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I'm not going to overact. I'm definitely not going to put it out there. That's what I can say under my breath. And, I'll get over it. A couple of days removed, I'm going to take the positives. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not giving up. Win, giving up on the season. I win, lose, or draw. You know, this podcast is for Arkansas. We're going to keep rooting for them. Absolutely. So we need to throw some things out there at you, and I think this might perk some people up because look, this is for the fans, by fans, right? We're not going to come out here and tell you that. Everything's going to be beautiful and wonderful, but I do got some good news for you. Listen to this. University of Arkansas, points per game, 33. Auburn, points per game, 35. Points allowed per game, 32. Arkansas, 15. Arkansas, uh, Auburn. Uh, total yards, 
432, Arkansas, 438, Auburn. Passing yards, 233, Arkansas, 203, Auburn. Rushing yards, 168, Arkansas, 235, Auburn. Uh, yards allowed, 387, Arkansas, 324, Auburn. Passing yards allowed, 300, Arkansas, 234, Auburn. Rushing yards love, 87, Arkansas, 90, Auburn. So, I mean, that's that's not horrible. The, we, the matchup is not not horrible. Now, they played LSU, and we didn't. But they also had a game that really kind of inflated their stats a little bit. Yeah, they played Alabama State the uh, second week, and I believe that's where <laughs> All their offensive stats came from. Um, they played Washington the first week. A neutral site game, I guess, in Atlanta. But if it's in Atlanta, it's definitely more. Uh, Washington, a little bit of that game was uh, pretty much an Auburn home game. In a, and I guess, Washington, I guess Washington's ranked like number six in the nation or whatever, but come on, man, it's Washington. Yeah. No, yeah, they're not number six anymore. They were then, but they're not. They're not, I mean, Pac-12. <laughs> it's... it's LSU is definitely the the, the if you're Washington, I'm giving the most respect to. Yeah, you're not impressed with me if you're Washington, honestly. So, I, I don't know. I'm just saying that when you look at the, the lineup there, it's not horrible. You know, it's not the worst thing uh, that I've seen. They definitely got us on uh, points allowed. You know, we allowed 15 more points than they have per game. And that's, that's where they really – um, that's where they really got us at. You know, that's where it's, there's real difference. Yeah, um, I don't think they, they haven't thrown as many interceptions and fumbles, probably not given the, the opposing offenses uh, that short of yardage to work with. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're not as – when you say this, is, I mean, it's not impossible. I mean, the Alabama week coming, it's going to be a different story on – being how great of a team, but Auburn's not. I mean, it's, it's Auburn, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when the year with Cam in uh, 2010, I mean, they're just like, man, I'm scared of Auburn. I don't want to play Auburn. Everybody this week's been just throwing out, well, there's just no chance. What percent chance do you have winning? It's like, oh, zero percent. I was like, man, I'm at least going to give us five percent. I'm not going to pick us to win, but my goodness, to already give up on it is it's crazy. Um and we always play pretty good down there in that uh, Jordan here. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Let's take a look here at my bookie. All right. So when we go into my bookie, you can see that they have talked about Arkansas. Why is Arkansas a good bet? And my bookie says Arkansas scored 55 points against Eastern Illinois in uh, the 55 20 victory. Uh, the Razorbacks had to let down to Colorado State. Uh, it says they had the uh, loss to uh, um, what was that? Oh yeah, the loss to Colorado State. They they had by uh, three touchdowns. Uh, it says 299 yards for offense, 5.6 yards per carry, uh, 1.7 yards per carry. Basically saying from that perspective, the Razorbacks have a shot to keep it close. Versus a superior Auburn team. So, my bookie thinks we got a shot to keep it close. And then, you know, they also go in here and they talk about, they talk about Auburn and, you know, 
they talk about, you know, how they played the big game at the first of the year, and they talk about how, the, you know, they played the, the easy games and so on and so forth and, uh, you know, held Washington to 102 rushing yards and blah, blah, blah. And it says, you know, their pick overall final analysis, they pick Auburn uh, to beat the Hogs. And it winds up, when you look at the uh, the, the odds here, they got uh, uh, Auburn at uh, negative 27.5, uh, which basically means that Auburn is expected to score 27.5 more points than Arkansas scores in this game. So, um, you know, I think if you're going to make a bet, I would suggest you make a bet with my bookie. They do really well showing you the odds and everything. If you do so, go ahead and use promo code HOGCALL. If you use promo code HOGCALL, they're going to give you a a, a 100% of what you deposit. They're going to match it. So they're going to match your deposits up to $1,000 if you use promo code HOGCALL. What do you think about those those odds, Tim? Oh, wow. You got us a underdog with four touchdowns. It's fair what we've done so far. Um, I don't honestly – we'll get to predictions later, but I don't honestly think we'll – I think we'll uh, do better than that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's very fair. Uh, my bookie got it going down. Uh, I know what's talking about. Um, yeah, that is a great place. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, uh, you know, if you want to support the podcast, if you want to you want to help us out and you're going to be making some bets anyway, go ahead and use my bookie. Use promo code HALL. So when we look at our offense, um, you can see that, that Jared – Stidham, uh, as a junior, he, he, he's uh, one of the quarterbacks. You got Malik Williams, sophomore, one of the quarterbacks, and then uh, Joey Gatewood, who is the freshman uh, quarterback. And basically, you know, Gatewood had a thumb injury, so he wasn't able to uh, to make the first week's game. And, uh, you know, they went ahead and, and went with Stidham and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, he uh he had Willis, Willis, Willis backing him up, and uh, you know I don't know I, I just uh, that that seems to be more of a, a weaker position for the team. Um, yeah, so it's, it's like we should be able to get some pressure with that chief defense on them and disrupt that quarterback. Yeah, uh, Stidham is uh, an untraditional marathon quarterback. Um, he's more perimeter oriented, mostly a passer. Um, uh, he does have 18, 18 uh, rushes on the year, but they're not, I mean, they're just little scrambles. They're not long of 15. He's not mm-hmm. like some of theirs in the past, which is really scary, where he adds an, another dimension, uh, especially to more of an RPO with uh, Malzahn. Uh, he's mm-hmm. more of a drop-back guy. I think somebody that uh, our defense with the Chief can get after, uh, pressure him. Um, I mean, he's a pro style, whatever. He's uh, probably going to get drafted, but he's it's not. He's not. I mean, he's all right. He's serviceable. I mean, he's better than our quarterback has been this year. But um, he doesn't. He just doesn't scare me. Yeah. No. And it's just like he's a little. He's a little bit. Um, he's a little. I don't know. He's not young. I don't guess. But he just seems a little fresh to me when I watched him play uh, LSU. He just it just seemed like he wasn't clicking a hundred percent. With his with his passes and with the offense and how he was running it, 
just did not feel like he was a like you said, he he's not a traditional Malzahn quarterback. He he just feels like a square peg in a round hole on their on their Exactly. Offense. Exactly. That's why I'm surprised. Um when uh, Auburn Malzahn's early years when they went to the championship game, they had Marshall who uh, ran the man he was a, a dual threat. Mm-hmm. Probably not as good as the arm, uh that did him, but uh for Malzahn's offense I think you need that. And uh, I mean there's they're going to they're gonna be all right this year, but he's not a championship quarterback. And honestly, the thing that keeps him, makes him look better, is I think um, their best returnees on offense uh, are their receivers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a lot of times making him look better are, are those receivers. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But, he, you know, he's not threatened with him by the feet. And Malzahn, mm-hmm. So that kind of limits Malzahn on that. And so then you got your running back. you got uh, Kane Martin as a junior. And then you've got uh, Jatarius Whitlow, who's a, a red shirt freshman. And uh, he's seen the field a little bit. How much? Because he's seen the field a little bit. And, um, you know, I mean, that, you know, that's your typical, uh, uh, you know, Martin is your typical Malzahn running back. He, he's a hard-nosed guy, and he, he's going to. He's going to put his head down. He's going to get the yards he needs to get for you. Yeah, Whitlow's more of a quick back. He has a he's had about well over 200 yards this year. Um, but Martin is that guy, kind of like last year where we saw in um, Cameron Petway, who had mm-hmm. goodness, he had three touchdowns against last year. It's hard to stop. Um, maybe not as good as Petway was last year, um, but he's a tough runner and. Uh, a lot of those guys that Sean Shivers to mainly went low and Martin to pound it. Um, they've got a Absolutely. fullback, but they usually use um, the fullback Chandler Cox. They usually use him more for um, uh, out of the backfield catching the ball. Mm-hmm. And those are more of your more well-rounded backs. Those are more of your backs you're going to see, you know, that that uh, at, at the fullback uh, position and the halfback position. And then when you go to your halfback position. You see that you know Chandler Cox uh, is going to be the guy, you know, and he's he's who you really got to worry about. He's he's coming in there with four, you know, four straight seasons starters, been been through everything with Malzahn. He's ready to he's ready he's ready for his championship. You know, he's trying to make something happen, and, and he's looked good this year too. I mean, he has really been able to turn the corner. I feel like. Yeah, and. Uh... He's the best catcher out of the backfield out of those running backs. Um, Whitlow only has one catch this year. Uh, Cam six, but mm-hmm. uh, Cox is a the guy they get a first downs with. I mean, if you're sitting at third and five, mm-hmm. uh, second and two, fourth and one, you're going to Cox. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a big, like you said, senior. He's been through it. He can. He's a, a, a very good pass protecting. Uh, mm-hmm. And he can run it or catch the ball. He's he's tough. What about Spencer Nine? Now, this is a guy that I'm not as familiar with. Um, and I, I, I saw him out there uh, in the LSU game, and I was just wondering what what your perceptions of him is. Honestly, I I don't even – I watched the LSU Auburn game. I don't even – he didn't make much of a impression on me. So <laughs> I didn't well, really know something. Yeah, he's a junior out there. I just, I just noticed it threw me a couple times, you know, just rotating. You know, and I yeah, they will rotate a lot. There wasn't any kind of a breakout play or anything like that, but I was just I didn't know if you had heard anything of him earlier in the year or the other games because I really I only got to see 
the LSU game for this. I haven't really been able to scout them as much as I'd really like to. Well, I think that's the LSU game. That was an Auburn. Auburn, I mean, that was an Auburn SEC game. That's what we're mm-hmm. taking. And there's no, I mean, absolutely no point in watching them against Alabama State. Even Washington was a little rough. It, it, that game was on TV during the same time as Arkansas. And I only flipped during commercial, or the, our first game. So uh-huh. I think the LSU-Auburn game was the best one to watch. I did the same. Went back and watched it. Um, so, okay, when we go to wide receivers, um, you got Ryan Davis, who I broke down film against him when he was at Lakewood High School, and he is a heck of a uh, high school wide receivers down here in Florida. And, um, you know, when I, I coach over at Gibbs, and that's our, uh, that's our rival, Lakewood and Gibbs, big rival games. So, you know, I know, you know, when you're going up against, uh, you know, that type of talent, especially a senior now in the SEC, you know, that's the guy, and I feel like we got to shut him down. If we can shut him down, I think it's going to help us out a lot. So that he's out at Z, he's out at Z. Uh, then you got uh, Hal Canelon over at uh, the slot receiver. He's a junior. You've got uh, Nate Craig Myers, who's a junior at your uh, tight end. And then you've got uh, Darius Slayton as a junior uh, at X receiver. So, you know, you got uh, you got a, a receiving crew that is experienced that can make some stuff happen. You know, they they been through, they've been through the mess, and they run sharp routes, they are able to make the quarterback, like you said, look better than he is, and um, they go and get the ball. If there's a type of receivers that go and get ball when the ball is thrown in their vicinity, they're going to get it. So if you're a defensive player, you better be making a play on that ball because that receiver is going to go get it. Yeah, and they, uh, the receiver, I mean, they usually, uh, this year, especially how they work out of the shotgun, use four wide on the majority of their plays, um, really leave the tight end a lot off the field. So wide receivers come in motion in and out. Um, Brian Davis, like you mentioned, um, quick senior. I mean, he's 5'9", 170, quick. He's number 23, somebody to watch out for. They're leading mm-hmm. receiver. He caught a, a touchdown against us last year here in Fayetteville. Uh, Slayton tore us up last year. Another Big-time receiver, uh, had four catches, 150 yards, and a touchdown once last year. Um, they were in and out, mm. all of them are talented. Absolutely. And the only saving grace we have here is that uh, Eli Stove and Will Hacking both mm-hmm. should be starters, um, have torn ACLs, and they're not, they're not playing. So, you know, that's our saving grace at receiver there is, you know, you, you say – Oh, we're going up against the SEC quality school. Well, we're really going up against uh, half SEC first string starter quality and another half of second string. So that that should be good good for us. And yeah, I, they, I hate I hate to hear that anybody got an ACL injury. I hope they get better quick. You know, uh, thoughts and prayers, all that mess. But. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure glad they don't have, especially Will Hastings. He Good Lord, if he last year he made big tough catches. If they had all on the field, if they had all of them to rotate in, oh my goodness, man, it'd be tough. It'd be tough. I don't know a team that would be able to cover all those receivers out there at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, goodness. So, uh, you know, we got Jalen Harris, 
uh, tight end. Um, and that's, that's their offense, man. Uh, yeah, and he, I mean, he's used pretty much. I mean, he's caught one ball this year. Mm-hmm. Um, if a tight end comes in, he might most from the slot to the H-back position. Uh, rarely do they set him up next to the tackle. I mean, unless they're mm-hmm. with the goal line, do they use the tight end. I mean, they like to spread it out. Have those receivers lined up uh, on top of each other. Um, and I will say on their uh, kind of their offense, they're first they can go from. I know in that LSU game they had a span of one play of that wildcat where I think I think maybe it might have been Ryan Davis acting as quarterback mm-hmm. or Whitlow. And the next play they had a uh, double reverse. And the next play they had them throwing thrown downfield. So they they've got some options. Absolutely, and then watch out for uh, Tucker Brown. Cause when he's in there, you know they're they're, they're going to be slinging the ball around. He's more of your um, he's more of your uh, blocking tight end. So just, just that's just like if you see him coming in the game, you know he's a good tight end, but he's he's more of your heavy guy. He's more of your blocking guy. He's not going to be running out and catching a lot of passes. So look for him to be, you know. Uh, Either running the ball to his side, or to be, be throwing the ball down the field. Say so if, if if Brown comes in, you know that's a good chance. They're they're about they're not scared to say, hey, we're about to run this ball. No, not at all, no, not at all. And then also, he's a good blocking tight end for for you know downfield passing game too. He uh, he's an excellent uh, he he's an excellent he's an excellent blocking tight end. He's just not a you know he's not a receiver type, you know. So. But I bet you can sneak out there and catch one. Watch me, oh, say, good. That. Watch me say that, and that's what exactly what's going to happen, you know. Yeah, that's usually what happens the first couple of weeks. Uh, you say, hey, watch <laughs> out for him. He's going to catch his, uh, a touchdown pass. You know, he might even go like 20 yards. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it's just typical Malzahn, you know, Malzahn offense. You know, they, they, they run the ball. Uh, they, they run out of a pistol. Uh, a little bit of RPO, but not as much as uh, as other teams do. It, uh, you know, they like to get the ball to the perimeter. Um, yeah, they like to, they like to pass it, but they like to take what they get when they pass it. It's not about deep pass; it's about what the offense gives them. If you give them a deep pass, they're going to take it. But if you give them a little short stuff, they're going to take the short stuff. So, yeah, it's tough to beat Malvin. He's a good coach. Yeah, he is. Um, and there, this is the first matchup for Morris as a head coach against them. Um, I'm interested. Uh, see what we can do against them. See, uh, I'm, I'm sure Chavis, well, definitely he's been at A&M recently and, um, other years has matched up against them. So he, it's not the first time, uh, the Chief has, has seen Malone's offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. So that, that is nice that we got a, a experience defensive coordinator is going to be able to have a, a game plan that can hopefully take advantage of the type of offense that now is on crime. And like you said, uh, they have, they've almost doubled up. They, they've had 142 attempts to 78 uh, passes thrown. And that's compared, I mean, with us, we've had uh, we've had 96 passes thrown to, I know, well, I guess it's 120 attempts, not, you know, for more, but they they will run the ball. And they'll run it down our throats as we've seen um, Malzahn did against Cleveland over the last couple of years. We don't actually don't. We hopefully don't uh, get to that point where we want him to force him. To, 
where he's having to throw, you know, coming from behind and throwing instead of just running. Like, all he has to do is run the ball. Absolutely. And then their line is kind of young. So, I mean, well, they're not young. They're they're all juniors, basically. You got uh, Winango, you got Harrell, you got uh, Kim, Horton, uh, Dickroll. Uh, so you got that's your left tackle, Winnego, your, your guards, Harold, Sanders, Kim, uh, right guard, Horton, and then your right tackle is this Carroll. So, and they're all juniors. Every single one of them is a junior. <laughs> and, you know, they're good. They got a good, they got a good offensive line. Um, it's going to be hard to penetrate that offensive line without bringing some kind of pressure. Um, and then they got excellent receivers. So if you bring the pressure, now uh, they're able to take advantage of those receivers, especially if you don't get the quarterback. So if we get back there to the quarterback, that's where we got a chance. Um, if we can get back there to the quarterback with one rusher coming in with our with our four man front, and then one rusher coming in, I feel like we got a chance. Yeah, we need uh, – got to get after Stidham. I mean, he, he he can't really escape out of the pocket very well. If he does, he'll only get a couple yards. You need to put pressure on him. Seriously, I like to run the ball. Why not have an extra guy in the box? And um, I think that would be a great strategy for our defense this week. Absolutely. So, um, let's, let's take a look at their defense. Um, so, they uh, run a uh, traditional 4-3 with a uh, nickel. Um, so the defensive tackle is, uh, Dontavious Russell, who's a senior. Um, the, uh, other defensive tackle is Derek Brown, who's a junior. Their defensive end is Marlon Davidson, who's a junior. And then, uh, their buck or their, their nickel, who they kind of push out a little bit off of the edge is, uh, Nick Coe as a sophomore. Um, and, you know, these kids are very good defensive linemen. They're able to get pressure themselves without even bringing – you don't even got to bring the house. You just – those kids can just pin their ears back and just get after the quarterback. And you saw them doing that against LSU. Yeah, they didn't even have to blitz, even blitz linebackers. I mean, they will. But, I mean, that four-man four front, sometimes they'll stand up the edge. And they'll, mm-hmm. I mean, they'll they'll get back there. I mean, it is it is absolutely uh, insane to watch. I mean, they've played like two pretty good solid opponents, and they've mm-hmm. already got ten sacks on the year. We've only got five. I mean, I mean, just double up in their defensive line. They're all pro prospects. Yeah, um, those, that's uh, definitely the strength of their even team. I mean, they're monsters. Yeah, that little that little, that uh, you know that little. You know, I call him a nickel. It's like, really, it's really not a nickel. It's not a linebacker, but the way they line him up off the end of the line there, um, he is uh, the weakest link because uh, Holland, who was there before, actually is not there anymore. So, you know, he, he's left and, and went forward, and um, he was their sack leader. And so now you're looking at, you know, what can Coe do? Can Coe come in there and do the same, the same type of thing that Holland did last year? So, you know, that's their weakest point. If we can, you know, if we can fill that edge really well and keep that, uh, that nickel or buck from, from sliding back there, um, that's going to give us a good opportunity. 
Yeah, we need to work more off. Uh, get outside the tackles. I mean, running inside mm-hmm. the tackles is going to be really hard against this team. Uh, we're going to have to break out something different with the running game. Yeah, I want to see us try to get to the edge more. I want mm-hmm. to see us try to run a lot more down the flats. Uh, I want to see a lot more short passing plays uh, where we're, you know, we're, right, we're throwing a dig route and bench route and, and things like that, uh, crossing routes, uh, we're even picking, you know, some pick routes. I know it's illegal, but they do it all the time in, in college ball. And, uh, yeah, I want to see some more stuff like that. Um, How about some no huddles to get those? Get those D linemen a little tired. I well, mean, I even if you got a couple of plays, you got fast or anything, do you? Like, <laughs> well, Lane's kind of dangerous spot to be in. Oh, okay, yeah. No, it's uh, not like you ever talked about doing that. That's never a good strategy. Don't put the hammer down, whatever you do. <laughs> <laughs> don't get the best, their best uh, position. Uh, you, go, you, know, you, you ever watch Kelly? He gets out there, and when they're running fast, the offense is moving down the field, he makes a touchdown. And then they'll send him back out there on the next drive, and he'll be begging the coaches to get the play in. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? He's just motioning to them and begging come on, them to get, get it, it in. Come on. And they're just taking their time. So that leads me to believe they're calling the plays in slower yeah, than they, they need should to, be. In the space. Yeah, let's go for it, man. Give them all armbands. Call it all armbands. Let's go. I've man. had headsets. I mean, I thought they, <laughs> I think they had every. I thought they were going to utilize every everything they could with the communication to the quarterbacks. I thought that was going to be like one thing. All of, you know, I just don't. I hope. Yeah, I hope you're being sarcastic about the hurry, man. That's, but yeah, I mean, Kelly's out there. No, but, Kelly's you know, I think he him, could man. be better, man. I think he wants to get in that rhythm. Yeah, no, I, mean, I think no, no. What I'm saying is, is like you watch his drives and on his scoring drives, they're moving quicker, and then. Whenever they slow him down and he's begging for the calls to come in, he stalls out and it takes him, you know, and he doesn't move the ball down the field. And you can see him begging the sideline, waving his arms and carrying on and stuff, trying to get him to, to bring that call in. And yeah, like, I'm being sarcastic when I say, you know, you don't want to get <laughs> to the left lane, you know, because I want to get there. I like that strategy. I want to, I want to run some fastball, but if you're going to run fast, my goodness, man. Let's run fast, and if we're running slow, I'd rather sit maybe because the quarterback's, you know, calling it in slower or something. Not because the quarterback's begging the coaches to get the play in faster because he feels more comfortable with a faster offense. And it's not not doing us any good, obviously, the the stall drives and everything to slow it down. It's not getting us in. It hadn't worked, so why not? Hell, even come up with have a couple plays. Just in a row, just like here, you know, here's what we're gonna do: bang, 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 and just like keep him on the edge. Because you can see when Kelly, especially, had his success, and even in that game that uh, when we scored those couple touchdowns, uh, he was he got in rhythm. I mean, they're they're kind of speeding up, getting them in the rhythm. But. Absolutely. So uh, for linebackers, uh, the strong side linebacker Darrell Williams, he's a senior. Middle linebacker Deshaun Davis is a senior, and then you got your uh, weak side linebacker. Uh, Atkinson, not even try to say the first name. I think it's Montavious. Montavious Atkinson, who's a senior. So you got a group of senior linebackers, all of them going to the NFL. It, it's just, that's scary, man. That's a scary, scary defense, man. Yeah, that front seven, I mean, there's a reason. I mean, they held Washington to 3.1 yards of carry, and LSU has always got a good running game. Held LSU to 2.9 yards of Cards are run. 
<laughs> and then you got your your cornerback uh, Jamal Dean and, and Noah. Uh, can't say his last name. Ingen Hurd or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I've never helped on that one. That's tough. <laughs> that's tough, man. That's fucking. Tough. I don't want to butcher it. If anybody else knows how to say it, call us our call in number and throw it out there at us. Uh, but yeah, you know, you got those cornerbacks, and they're not bad cornerbacks, but they're not. Uh, they're junior and sophomore, and it's, it's going to be one of the weaker spots on the on their defense. And it's what we got to take advantage of, which means we got to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. So, well, how do we do that and be successful? Let's just throw some shorter pass plays. Yep. Okay. Let's just throw some shorter pass plays and and you know, passing routes, and that'll help us be more successful and take advantage of the weakest spot on their defense. Uh, their free safety is uh, Jeremiah Denson. Strong safety is Danielle Thomas. And, uh, you know, that's it. That's, that's their defense. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously the secondary is not terrible, but the strong point, obviously, on that side of the ball is the, the front seven. Because um, mm-hmm. LSU was able to get about uh, – 250 yards, and, you know, LSU still even uh, with their offensive coordinator change, still is primarily a running team. So they were able to win watching that game, um, and they didn't force any interceptions. Uh, so it looks like LSU could, I mean, they were getting a lot of first downs off um, passing the ball. Their longest run of the day, LSU, was 11 yards. So LSU, mm-hmm. to win it, to get that 22 points, to win it and keep those drives going, was throwing the ball around. You know, and here's how weak that quarterback position is, is Noah, uh, the kid that has that, that insane last name, he was a wide receiver. So they just took him and flipped him over because wow. they had some some problems there. So they just kind of flipped him over and shifted him to that position this year. So, you know, I mean, when when you say you got to throw the ball in this game, goodness, I don't see – I guess I, I – you know, I want to see us run the ball. Because I feel like we need to establish a run game, but man, this might be one of those throwing games where you have to. Might be, you know, our only chance might be to get into some sort of a shootout here. Yeah, but like you said, a uh, little short short passing game is kind of um, kind of what we can usually run it back to mm-hmm. yeah. If we can't just run and, like you said, uh, get to the edge, run outside of the tackles, uh, we're not, I mean, just can't see us running down the middle. Um we don't have Darren McFadden in that line or Fred Talley in that line he has in. So uh, we're going to have to be creative. I don't know if Morris is going to have to take over the play calling or if he's been doing it and maybe his offensive coordinator crack has got to take it over. But uh, we can't keep doing the same crap against this team. Yeah, no, no way, no way. And they're going to – you know Malzahn. You know he's watched all the film. He knows mm-hmm. exactly what's coming. He knows exactly what he's going to do to beat us. So – he knows that we're, you know, we're throwing the ball around a lot. I thought it was funny that Malzahn said um, it takes four games, and he thought that uh, Morris is going to start winning <laughs> after four games. Yeah. Funny how that works out. This is the fourth game. So he's like, after this one, after this one, hey, yeah, go and beat the other SEC West opponents and so we can climb back <laughs> in the rankings. But we'll always have that game against you. Goodness gracious. Hey, I would take it. If I knew if that if I had a crystal ball and knew that was the case, I would take it. I'd be like, All right, let's lose if we're getting better and win some games this year. And that's thing, sorry, I know it's off the offer game, but another thing back to the A D and stuff. If we had a crystal yeah. ball, 
if we had a crystal ball and knew, uh, I know they always talk about, the, well, our vision here. It's like, yeah, my vision is to win the championship every damn year. I see us winning the championship, blah, blah, blah. But I don't have a crystal ball, and none, none of the fans do, so it's hard to, hard to like, stick with some of the losses. I just said that. I thought about that earlier. I was like, man, if I had a crystal ball and could see, like, what are, like, the Morris, how stubborn he is with his offense and only his offense and see what it turns into, and then I could stick it out. But we don't. We're in the heat of the moment of the season, and we're invested. Yeah, absolutely. And then special teams. What what do you think about uh, Auburn's special teams? I mean, they got a good special team, but it's not. I didn't think there was anything that where I was like, wow, this is so super impressive. No, and um, their their kicker Andrews <laughs> Andrews Carlson, what a name! Uh, his brother Daniel Carlson was there for four years, and well, he just got cut by the Vikings. Uh, he was his brother, older brother, solid Daniel. Um, he's three for six on field goals, so not you know. And I think he missed a big he missed a big one in that LSU game too. So at least, at least the field goal game part of it. Um, not. Not a, he's not automatic like the past couple of years. Uh, Absolutely. So it'd be nice. Our defense has done a lot of forcing teams to field goals, um, like North Texas and um, um, North Texas. Had, I think North Texas and Colorado State had better uh, field goal kickers. Mm-hmm. Um, and their punters, uh, they do have some pots, 44.2 average, but, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I thought, I think that, you know, I don't know. I think we got man. I think we got a shot, but I don't know if I can say after our two performances we're gonna win it, you know, at this point. Yeah, I do. No, no. But I mean I'm more hopeful, you know, after seeing like yeah, I'm too. here's a like you, you just talking through just saying right, look at our stats, they're they're very similar. Um uh, we're we're we look like uh, we're put on paper and you know, I know we have to play our First SEC school yet, but everybody made it out like North Texas is supposed to be just as good as SEC school. So you got to figure that in wherever. Because um, man, how many people talked about how great North Texas was before that? Before yeah. that game, you know, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. after how embarrassing the loss was. But anyway, um, so you know that's a good that that was a good program, and, and they they gave you know we had to we had to work hard to get whatever numbers we got there. And, I just feel like that we match up decent on paper with them. I feel like you can definitely see that there is a a deficit at their cornerback position and that we can take advantage of our pass play if we can get a little bit of a run game going. You know, I, I think we got an opportunity to come out here and shock the world, although it probably won't happen. Yeah, I agree. I think the opportunity's there. I think I we got the talent. I do too. I I don't think it's I don't think it's we're not an Alabama State. It's not impossible. We're not. I mean, if we get blown out, it's going to be a lot more than just because of the talent discrepancy. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. And I'm not and I'm not saying we're going to win. I'm not like predicting. I mean, I'm not. We already said in the first podcast we're homers. We're big fans. Yeah. But we're not. I'm not. I'm trying to be. We're realistic too, and I'm not. But I also don't think that, um, like, you know, my bookie in Vegas has, you know, it's about four t- underdogs to four touchdowns. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. going to get that bad. And if I want to see us compete, I think we can. I just don't – I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's a zero 
2% chance we're going to win? I, I don't know. I mean, a couple days removed, that, man, maybe Saturday I was like, well, there, you know, we're going to get beat by 60 to Auburn. They're going to be mad at the LSU. But I don't know if I believe that. Um, I think I, right now I, 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 I feel like, like we're going to come out and compete. I like the percentage that you were talking about, and I think if I was going to put a percentage on it, I'd say we got a 25% oh, chance yep. to win this game, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> um, and I would say if we had played better in the other games, we would be more towards the 50 to 60%, you know, if we had played, played better in the other games. Sure. I mean, but, Arkansas, no matter who coaches, we play good down. But I've been on this year, so we play, we play good uh, down in Auburn. I know it's like a different team every year, but there's something about it. It's not as scary as uh, other places to play. I mean, we have done it. Absolutely. So I guess we should, uh, I guess we should pick a, uh, you know, do some uh, predictions. All right. Um, I'll go first with my score prediction. Um, I'm going to go 34-21 Auburn. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say 28-14 Auburn. I think okay. we're gonna I think our defense is gonna show up. Uh, I think we're gonna have a hard time moving the ball down the field. But I didn't get to see story last week. So it's hard for me to give an accurate prediction. I'm just gonna yep. I'm just gonna I just wanna you know, I gotta preface it with that. How can you give an accurate prediction when you didn't even get to see the starting quarterback <laughs> Yeah, I mean I would have liked to see what he did after a week of learning. I feel like his uh, unsuccessful. I mean, he didn't even get he didn't get a whole half, or definitely didn't get into the second half against Colorado State. So maybe he learned from that. Maybe he fired up. He's ready to come and win that thing. So well, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so here we go. Check this out. Um, there was a call, a SEC teleconference call, and this is what Coach Morris had to say. I think the biggest challenge we're facing right now is being able to handle both success and adversity as it comes. Just to understand the entire game is a long game. You have to play the entire game out. No matter what happens, you have to play all the way through. I would like to say you've got to coach the entire game. The entire game's a long game, Coach Morris. And you've got to coach the entire game all the way through. And if you're not going to do that, your players aren't going to play the entire game all the way through. Like, how, how do you say something like this after you give up? Like, I, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to say we got a bad coach. I don't want to say let's let him go, this, that, and other. But if we can't win another game this year, I mean, surely yeah, we've got to look somewhere else, right? There should have been. A smart agent should have put a stipulation in the contract. If you go, if you win less than a couple games, if you win one game or zero games, I mean, you should, you should no buyout, nothing. You should just be able to get your butt fired. Because if you can't win another game, then I, I mean, I don't, I don't think your check's going to do it. I mean, I can take that from the damn sun's coming up. It's been another sun's coming up tweet after we finish one and eleven. Yeah, right. <laughs> So, all right. So the other the other storyline, and this game has a lot of them. We gotta we gotta talk about them all. Is the mm-hmm. is the well, there's two of them. I feel like we gotta talk about one. Um, Coach Horton, University of Arkansas, uh, long time 
running backs coach, one of the best recruiters we ever had at the University of Arkansas, is uh, the running backs coach there. Uh, Brett Bellamy fired him. Um, for what reason? I have That's no it. idea. <laughs> so now he's over there. He's a great guy, great coach, and I expect them to do wonderful. So just know that, you know, Coach Horton's coming in here to win uh, and beat us. And, you know, and so is Malzahn. And Malzahn is the teacher to Chad Morris, who, you know, said that he – now, this is interesting. I was reading about how Malzahn and Morris, like, got together, right? And mm-hmm. they said that said that Morris called Malzahn and tried to talk to him, and he wouldn't talk to him for a while. And then finally, uh, Malzahn was like, well, you can come on and watch our state championship game. So he, Morris took his whole football team over there to watch this, this state championship game, and then, you know, Malzahn started talking to him, so on and so forth, and then I guess they became good buddies, and, and uh, Malzahn supposedly gave him the uh, trick to the uh, – you know, no huddle, hurry up offense or whatever, told him all about it. He took it back to Texas and, you know, ran it wonderfully and, and uh, won a whole bunch of championships with it in Texas and so on and so forth. So it's the teacher versus the student or the student versus the teacher, however you want to look at it. Can the student beat the teacher in this situation? Sure he can. I mean <laughs> – I don't know if it's going to be this year, but he's going to have to figure it out. Well, you uh, said something to me. You heard somebody said that he's supposed to run the offense better or something like that you were saying about. I don't know exactly. I apologize. Um, oh, that's okay. I thought it was something <laughs> about he he has a better handle or control of the offense or something like that that you read somewhere. <clears throat> so, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> well, maybe they'll come out of the woodworks. Maybe somebody listens like, that was me, Chad, that said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anyway, um, you know, I guess I guess that's about it. Um, um, yeah, I do want to say uh, Matthew Smith, one of our uh, uh, listeners and uh, loyal listeners, followers on Twitter, he replied uh, to Sharp Williams uh, at Sharp Tusk on Twitter. Um, the original tweet was, I'm taking the plunge. I want 1,000 tickets to the Arkansas Tulsa game in Fayetteville to take 500 bets and active duty plus a guest to the game for free. Don't let your tickets rot and will money be wasted. And uh, Matthew shared that with us, so we'll be aware of it. And uh, anybody listening um, who was unaware that hadn't seen that, uh, please, if you got extra tickets to the Tulsa game, that's a great call. Uh, thanks, Matt, for uh, getting that to our attention. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, also, I, I, I think Matt also had, had replied to to uh, one of the tweets that we put out where he said, uh, Hog pressure is a real thing. Reply with your comment and concern, then we'll mention that on the uh, next podcast. So, so Matt says here, it seems as though Chad Morris is dead set on throwing the ball despite having success in the run game. Honestly, I'm concerned about recruiting after a potentially disastrous season. It's hard to get talent after only having two to three wins. That seems optimistic this year. 
How do you feel about that, Tim? I think he's pretty dead on. <laughs> that is. I mean, you're saying that's like how we're going to have to recruit our way out of this. But, yeah, if we – if I mean – if we max, if we win one or max win two or three, that's going to be hard. That's going to be hard to, no matter if you've already got commits for 2019 and they stay, what about the next year? I mean, we're, what, we have Absolutely. one, one t- top 25, number 23 ranked class or whatever, and mm-hmm. that's going to be enough to get us out of this hole? Yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> are you going to, are you going to play all freshmen? You know, <laughs> uh, here, here's the thing, man, that I got to say about the recruiting is, we had our recruiting heart whenever we, as the SEC, let in Missouri and let in Texas A&M, and now you got LSU and you got Ole Miss and we've got Tennessee. We're totally surrounded. Our whole state is totally surrounded by other SEC teams. So that's what has hurt our recruiting, uh, and that's, that's going to hurt our recruiting more moving forward than, than the wins in my opinion, than having a low amount of wins. Uh, the thing about it is, though, we got some of the best facilities in the SEC after being there, and then the upgrades they've made, and then being a part of a lot of those upgrades uh, that they made at that facility, I can tell you that we have some of the best facilities in the SEC. And that is an awesome selling point. The other awesome selling point that we have at the University of Arkansas is we're in an actual college town. We're not in a big city. Um, we're not you know, in an industrial town like Baton Rouge. We're not in a city like you have in Texas. We're not, you know, we're a college town. And it's a college town that's in the Ozark Mountain Range. It's beautiful, but fall leaves turn. Um, Like, those things are our selling points. It's a place where, as a parent, and your kid goes there, you're not worried about them getting into a ton of trouble or, or getting robbed or something like that or, you know, doing something they shouldn't be doing uh, because it's where it's located at. And and I think that is more of a selling point for us is look at our facilities, look at what we got, look at our location. You know, you want to come here and play. I mean, this this is where you want to be. And Fayetteville gets the ranked in any kind of magazine you look up that ranks top six. I mean, like top five, not, I mean, just towns in America. Not even mm-hmm. just like small, you know, under a hundred thousand pounds or small mm-hmm. or anything. Just top five cities in general, just the whole northwest of Arkansas. Uh, <laughs> the amount of after, if you don't make it in the the amount of uh, Fortune 500 companies that are up here. Like mm-hmm. you said, the Ozark Mountains. And my goodness, um, the freaking stadium, the the renovation they did. That is already a beautiful stadium. But what they did uh, to the stadium is is just incredible. Um, and, you know, drive down uh, off the hill off uh, the Maple there, and you see just uh, the stadium with uh, the, the, the Boston and Ozark Mountains down there. And it's down with the, I, I know, uh, and this is not the first time I've seen it, obviously, but in September, finally, the leaves are changing, kind of getting into late September. The, lead, uh, the wind's just slightly blowing. Just driving by there the other day, I, was, I mean, just, my goodness. I mean, who wouldn't want to play, play for that? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> my goodness. Absolutely. And then also the other thing is what really is going to bring recruits to Arkansas is having a good coach at Arkansas. And and our coach and being able to say, I can go here and this guy's going to be able to possibly coach this team to a national championship. Because we know if we go undefeated that we have a chance at a national championship, period. You know, and there's a lot of schools that that's not the case. You know, look at UCF, you know. 
everybody wants to laugh at them, make fun of them for claiming themselves as a as a, a national champion, and then you know one of the other uh, sports magazines complete uh, uh, they they was actually crowned as a national champion last year. You know they won every single game and didn't even get a chance to play in the playoffs. And for me, the way they beat you know Auburn after I I don't know I, I just don't I don't see how you can say you know they're not a national championship team. And I guess we got to talk about something that's not that's not Arkansas football. So I guess that that can be it. What do you think, Tim? Are they a national championship team? They at least have a part of that national championship. I would. <laughs> if, if I was UCF, I'd definitely claim it. Laughers be damned. Y'all didn't, the playoffs committee didn't put me in even as a four seed. Give me a shot. I mean, uh, what yeah. do you do? I mean, to come at me with an Auburn opponent? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't care. Well, Auburn what didn't, didn't, and they it, were let down about not being in the playoffs. Forget that. Like, yeah, and then, bro, and that's and football. You better bring it every game. And they were supposed to go and lose to Auburn. That was the whole point of sending yeah. Auburn over here. So the Auburn would demolish them and nobody mm-hmm. would talk about it. Just like when Hawaii was undefeated and they sent, you know, ACC Silver that demolished them. You know, and I remember I was all that talk about should they have the opportunity and so on and so forth because they're undefeated. And so then they get demolished in the ball game by the, by the better team. And it's like, oh, no. You know, and that happens over and over again. But this right here is an example of we'll never know what happened because of this, you know, small, uh, small ordeal you have with the playoff system. I think you should take the playoff system and you should make every team that wants to play for a national championship be in a conference. You should take conference championships. They all play each other in the, in a, in the, uh, playoff system until you get a win. I totally I think agree. that's the only fair way to do it. That's, you know? Yeah, I agree. Uh, and you That's the way to these, really know. You can take some of these smaller conferences, you know, like the MAC and stuff like that, and you can throw them together in a conference. You know what I mean? Like two of them mm-hmm. together in a yeah. conference. But it's still fair because the conference champions are actually playing each other, you know. And uh, I just think that's much, much better way to determine it. I don't know why they don't do that. But anyway. Yeah, it's going to be the same. Same dang teams here for a while, and I didn't give UCF. UCF was dang good last year. My goodness. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I was a big fan of that uh, kid, man. But that old team, man, Auburn should have brought it. I mean, they yeah. didn't bring it. UCF yep. did every single game. Every game. Didn't lose a one. Absolutely. And before we get off here, I just want to say, um, go ahead and look in the comments section and where the description of the podcast is and in the description section we're going to have all the links so that you can go ahead and and you can go and you can send us an email you can call in and you can tell us what you think leave us a voicemail we'll we'll try to play it on air um uh, we got some uh new technology coming in i would like to thank everybody for our uh, recent patreon supporters we was able to get that's uh, a new microphone, so if you're like listening to this, thinking yes, how thank you. much better the quality is, but we we actually got some uh, studio quality uh, microphones, and um, that, I think that you're going to see a noticeable difference in this podcast. So thank you very much for that. And if you're going to go ahead and gamble, go ahead and do it at iBookie.com and use promo code HogCall to get a hundred percent of your deposit. 
uh, backed up or, or, or yeah, you get a match. Yeah, you can all call, please. I mean, that's, I mean, you could, you could do even, uh, even 40 bucks. I mean, you get 40, I mean, they're giving you 40 bucks. I mean, that's a great thing. We use it if you're gonna, if you're gonna bet, uh, you know, have, make, make these games more interesting. Please use my bookie. They're really good. I mean, that's a deal nobody else is given. Uh, please do that. Absolutely. So, I guess this is the end of the, the hog call. Yeah. And, uh, and thank you all. Uh, hopefully we got some new listeners. Uh, we've, We've grown in the Twitter support of our followers, new followers. Hope we'll get some new listeners. Hope you like the show. Um, and like Chad said, you know, uh, tweet us, Facebook us, anything. Call call that number. Leave a voicemail. Let me know what you think. And um, like like Matt did earlier, we'll get you on. And uh, we want to hear from other Hawk fans. So I guess the only thing I got left to say is, go Hogs. Go Hogs. Beat Auburn.